I mean, I'm sure you want to go see the uh, Jays this week. Looks like the weather's going to be decent. Be stinking hot. Better than being cold. Sure is. What's that? <laughs> oh, good. More fuel for an umpire discussion. Yeah. This is Blair and Barker for a Monday. If you're listening in the States, happy Memorial Day. Absolutely. Enjoy your long weekend. I know my father's listening, so. Oh. Hope he has a great holiday. Absolutely. He earned it. He did earn it. He absolutely did earn it. Um, as I mentioned, I've got a couple of tickets to give away for the June 4th game between the Blue Jays and the Minnesota Twins, part of our Blue Jays trivia ticket giveaway. We're going to give you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long, whether you listen on the radio or on our pod podcast. As always, all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily Trivia question to 590-590. Friday, we asked you to name the manager who took the Twins to two World Series. The answer was Tom Kelly. And uh, I presume everybody got that. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Twins at the Rogers Center on June 4th. We're on a roll with easy questions here. I mean, I would. This would have fallen out of my mouth as soon as I asked the question. Which Minnesota twin is the only catcher in MLB history to win three batting titles? Yes. Again, which Minnesota twin is the only catcher in MLB history to win three batting titles? You can text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. We will have more tickets to give away next week. I got that one in my sleep. What's this? It's great. <laughs> Why it was, do it I was, care? It was given to me. Mike Muchlinski. The umpire yesterday. 92% overall accuracy, 95% called ball accuracy, 85% called strike accuracy. Overall consistency, 92. <laughs> why, do I, why do I care? It was given to me. Did you ask for it? I did not. Oh, I, I, no, I take that back. I, I have said that I'd like to give scouting reports for umpires until we had a couple on, and... Well, if we're going to give scouting, no, I don't care. If we're going to give scouting reports, <laughs> to be honest, if we're going to give scouting reports for umpires, might I suggest we give scouting reports for the next day's umpire if we can find it? Yeah, any good giving me scouting reports? It's hard report to do that on, on a day off and then going into the next series. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, ninety-two percent. I would think those not great. Just saying. Yeah, but but what? I mean, you know why I think they give these to us? Just to Best piss all, me off. Well, no, because they know you will take up for them till. Till no I'm end, gonna... and I will not. The first thing I noticed was ninety-two percent. Look, and then we had uh, we had Cowboy on, and he was saying ninety-five and ninety-six percent is what I shoot for. I'm gonna go on a limb so and say ninety-two percent. So what you're what saying? You're what for. you're saying is Mike Muchlinski. He's a little work. Had a bad. He had a bad <laughs> game behind the plate in an in an eleven ten game where there were were a gazillion walks and a million pitches thrown. 
he so had that, a so difficult that, over so seven game, and a half hours in that game. Well, it's not my fault. He has to stay there. Do your job. You do that once a week. I'm just saying. Wait, twice I, a week. I, I'm just saying you you played the game enough to know that when you are Seven judging, it gives them an excuse to pull the shoot. It doesn't give them an excuse <laughs> to pull the shoot, but there is a whole lot of poo slung up at the plate, slung to the plate yesterday, and it's entirely possible that the umpire got some in his eyes. That's all I'm saying. Oh, poo! There was a lot of that yesterday. Huh. Well, they, there's a lot of that going around the league. Anyhow, enough of that. That was just an uh, that was just an Boffo, our Mark Boffo, our uh, producer, you know, very disappointed. That. that was un, an unnecessary. He knows what it was gets like it poking done. the bear. It was just unnecessary. Sure. Let's go You're to Kevin wrong, France, right. an MLB Network radio analyst, <laughs> Nationals broadcaster. <laughs> He's laughing too. He knows I was right. Nah, how you doing, Kevin? <laughs> like I, I said, I said, I said I'm something good. nice. I said something nice about an umpire once, and now it's like I'm their 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 great defender. Oh, he is absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we're always going to be like that, though. Like, if you if you mention, like, hey, this guy had a hell of a day, it's going to be like, oh, ha, ha, he's against the players. <laughs> Kevin, you know? I, Kevin, I do have to say this. Hey, I have to say this. The Juan Soto, I, I watch a lot because he's well, – Let him fit. He was having fun with yeah. the umpires, and now you're going into well, serious stuff. I was going to throw this, too, that okay. I see, that I see right. Juan Soto turning a lot around and having a lot of conversations with the umpire. Is that outside the norm? Or is it just he's gotten off yeah. to a little bit of a slow start? Or both? No, it, it, it's outside the norm. Because, like, usually when he goes and argues, he's right. And there's been a uh, a lot of late where there's strikes. And, they're, I mean, I, I've been saying it's not making excuses for the guy. I mean, I play with Bonds. So, I, I've, I've seen what people do against the greatest hitters in the game. Like, I understand what level they go to. I've seen for, like, three and a half weeks, like, guys just absolutely dotting him up, right? And then... Mm-hmm. You know, we see him. We see him turn around, and, and he's wrong. This is this is a part. There was a span. Uh, I want to say like eighteen and nineteen, where I watched him like argue, and he was right every time. And the one time it was, I was with the Phillies at the time doing the uh, radio, and he uh, he argued a call. And it, it was a strike, and I, and I ran into the the TV booth at that time, and I was just like, my hands were up. I'm like, I saw it. I saw the first one. He's argued he was wrong. But it, it, it's one of those moments. I mean, like, the guy has such a good eye. We know that. But at times, Davey Martinez has talked about this. Like, stop looking for the walks. And, and everything, just hit. Mm-hmm. You can hit. And uh, sometimes you play umpire too much. We all have done that. Sure. Um, and, you know, uh, again, with the stuff that some of these guys are throwing up there, like, you're going, you know, just don't umpire, just go hit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's done it a lot more of late. But, again. Uh, he, he's, he's more, I would say he's right more, more times than not. Just been a little bit more on the wrong side of late. Sometimes when you're eight for 50, you get chapped. I mean, Kevin, that's just the way it is. I've been there before. Yeah. You, you're eight no for doubt. 50, you get chapped. But I, get, I do have to ask you around him a lot more. What's a good season for him? Everybody around him, I come in to play the Nats. I'm not going <laughs> to let one guy beat me. And what, what's, what's a good season for him? You know, it's, it's going to be hard for him to hit 300 and hit 40 homers and drive in a hundred runs just because of the lineup he's in and what, Pitchers are trying to not do to him. What's a good season for him? That's a good question because, again, the expectations have been put so high. And you you put up these numbers that are uh, to age 23 season, and it's like Mickey Mantle, Jimmy Fox, and and, uh, Ted Williams, and you're going, so what is it good? I mean, like, those are insane, right, to see that? Um, Honestly, I I still think 300 is is that, that level that he's at. 
Um, and right now he's struggling. I, I, I look at the OPS, I would say a good year for him is, I mean, 980 minimum, right? 980 OPS on that. And, and uh, that, what you're seeing from him is like a little, we've seen a struggle of late. But how many guys in this league struggle for over a month and they their OPS is still over 100? They're, he's like a 137, 136 uh, runs created plus. So, I mean, like, he's well above average. Like these numbers, they the, 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 the streaks that he's on, you're going, man, he should be way down there. And you're looking at it, you're going, wow, he's still over 800 OPS. I would die for that, right? Like mm-hmm. for to have been playing in the struggle and my struggle, you know, and, and, and being an 800 OPS, are you kidding me? Come on. So when you say good year, I mean, yeah, it, it's going to depend on a lot of things around him, but he hasn't done a lot of stuff too. Uh, he, he's three for 39, three for 39. I think runners in scoring position this year, three for 39. Wow. So he's had his chances, you know, um, he's expanded the zone a little bit more than we've seen on that. So I, I, again, putting a number on it with him, I don't know because the, 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 where he's at, the level he's at is so different than what we've seen in the past. So I would say 30, I mean, having 30 homers, I think would be a good year. Um, and to me, the RBI, we everyone wants to say in the analytic world, like it's all dependent on your, your teammates. Well, okay, great, cool. I want I want a hunter though. I want someone that hunts. Mm-hmm. And we see it with some guys around the league, and 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 I want to see him drive in some more runs, just because that's what I, that's what I personally want, you know, from him. What do you make of the uh, the rumors about him? possibly being traded or at least being on the block. I, I mean, clearly, I think we all understand sort of, or the financial reality. I, I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to say an organization has got to have, uh, well, you're just going to be taking a whole minor league system. That's all. That's all it is. So right. if, if you want to trade for him, like give, give a minor league system. I, I, that's why I find it like just to kind of disconcerting on the whole thing. Like it, it, it's this narrative that's being brought up. You're going, why? Like, and especially if the learner family is, is, you know, talking about selling the franchise, you're not going to sell. Like, why would you give up on it? This doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. No. And, and my, my whole point was, you know, people put together fantasy trades and everything. And, and I just, to me, and, and, you know, I mean, the whole story is in hockey. Wayne Gretzky was traded while well, there were extenuating circumstances yeah. with Wayne Gretzky being, being traded. Uh, no doubt. But, but man, I, 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 like, I'm with you. I, uh, I look at Juan Soto and I go, I mean, you, you just can't. I, unless he wants out, unless he's telling you he wants out, which I, I don't get the impression he necessarily is. Like, if I'm the Nationals, that's, you know, I'm, I have some issues, but I don't think, put it this way, I don't think whoever buys the Nationals is going to be poor, <laughs> right? And whoever no, buys no, no, the no. Nationals <laughs> probably wants to contend at some point. And, and he's a part of your value, right? Like he's a part of the franchise value. So that's why I, I, it's not a organizational talking point or anything. I'm like, I'm just speaking from the baseball mind. Why, why would you, why would you trade him? Like just for, for the franchise itself. Um, you know, I, I see it if we get um, near and closer to free agency, but he's years away from that. So uh, it, it's gotta be what, what the answers have got to be. The question has got to be, are they going to do enough to build around him, you know, to, to give him the, the uh, necessary um, people to protect him uh, and to win? Because there's, there's a thing with this kid that will not get talked about enough because we talk about his numbers, numbers, numbers. This dude wants to win. Right. 
he's in there every day because he wants to win. He wants to play. He wants to get. He wants to be a part of this. You know where he's already he's already been to the pinnacle. He's already won a title. He wants more, and that's the beauty of him. And so that that's where I, my focus goes on. Where I think like a lot of people's, you know, they're trying to, to generate this narrative. And I think maybe on the agent part, you know, it, it, it goes that route too. But he's years away. And and, and to me, that's that that's the part. That's the part. Like you better trade if you're going to trade for Juan Soto. You're going to give up 30 guys. I mean, I know that's an extreme. But that, that's that's who he is. Like this, this is a this is a generational type player, and 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 maybe even not even generational. <laughs> this might be an all timer, and that that's where we're at. You talked about uh, being a teammate of Barry Bonds, and it raised an interesting mm-hmm. uh, and something that that I've wondered about. I mean, we've seen. I'm not saying Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s Barry Bonds, but but he's a pretty big deal, and teams teams mm-hmm. uh, teams. Treat him with a lot of respect, shall we say. They, you know, you focus on Vladdy when you're coming into a series. And everybody says, well, if you're not getting anything to hit, just take your walks. And what's it like to play in a team when you've got a guy, Kevin, you know is the you know best player, the best, best hitter I've seen in my lifetime anyhow. Um, yeah. And you know that he's probably going to get walked. Like, uh, what, how much pressure does that put on another, uh, on the guys around him, knowing that, his today he may walk three times. Ooh, yeah, I mean, look, that's why veteran guys behind him are such a big deal because guys that are able to um, understand more than anything compartmentalize things. Uh, you know, Teoscar hasn't been great. We know that, mm-hmm. but the, he's shown in the past that he could he could do it. But that that puts when he's struggling, that puts the added pressure on guys like that, right? And so. Uh, it, it's also like a, I don't know. I always looked at it hitting in front of them at times uh, is like the easiest thing in the world because they're like they're not worried about me. Mm. They, 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 you know, so the concentration is as far as like you know the pitcher. He he might think, oh, this is an easy out. He goes up there and he kind of leaves one over the plate. Next thing you know, you get a base knock, double, whatever it may be, because he's not worried about you. He's worried about the guy on the deck because he's in the peripherals the whole time. He understands. And Vladdy Jr., I mean, you talk about a kid that already has that that reputation because he's so different than his dad, right? Like, you hear the name, but you're like, oh, free swinger, all this stuff. It's like, this dude takes his walks. This dude can hit with two strikes. This guy can do a lot of different things. Um, yeah, it, it, as a as a teammate, it's it, it, it should be, to me, this is just personal, it should be less, less pressure. It should be less because it, it, the, the focus isn't on you. And you should be like, yeah, this guy's over. Like you, you take it to that other level of like, this guy's overlooking me. You know, you get pissed. You're like, hey, this guy's not going to do this. He, he, he's, he thinks he's worried about that guy on deck. You take it personal on that, you know. So there's certain levels you take it to, and and you know, the guys around him. It's a it's a it's a team game. We know, but it's an individual battle, right? It's an individual battle between the the hitter and the pitcher in, in a team setting. And so many times we see like the focus on this one guy, one guy, but there's all these guys that, that have to have and win these battles for that guy to be successful. And, you know, the Blue Jays right now, I mean, you look at them, they're not, they're not as successful as you think they'd want to be, or, you know, as, as you as a fan would want them to be because of what they've shown in the past. 
Kevin, is it surprising? Jeff brought up a good point earlier about the Jays' record, and you know we're invested. We we see the Jays to the nth oh, degree yeah. every single day. What they're doing, what they're not doing, we talk about it all the time. But somebody on the outside looking in, does this surprise you that the Blue Jays have a minus one run differential? I know that's a big deal for for some people too. That's sort of one of the numbers and one of the stats you look at to tell you where your team's at on both sides of the ball is that run differential. Does this surprise you the start that they've gotten off to? Ooh, uh, I, I, I'm going to be say yes, and and here's the only reason why is it's because it's a younger team and you have like that like it's very similar to Seattle, but they're better. Like they're better than Seattle, and there's this expectation that they you know everyone put on them, uh, but they haven't shown that they could do it you know multiple years in in, in a row and doing it. In my and so when I say that it usually is about the beginning part because there's that, how do you live up to that expectation mm-hmm. that you set from the previous year? Um, so I'm not surprised at the start. I'll be surprised if it ends like this. Mm. That's where I'm going to go with it because I did not, I did not have them like on top at the beginning part of the season. I'm like, Oh, this is a team that like, it's going to, they're going to have to learn how to deal with the expectations because last year they didn't have to deal with any expectations. Right? They, I mean, they, they just were they were bludgeoning teams towards the end. And it, it's the team that you wish got into the playoffs based on the fact that, like, how they were rolling. So how do they go to the next year? And, you know, it's a different staff. I mean, you, you look at some of the stuff with the relievers. They're not, you know, the numbers aren't great. There's some that are great. There's some that are not. It's just, again, you meld together. And at what point is that point? And are you too far behind? Um, so when I sit there and say, am I surprised? I'm not surprised right here on Memorial Day. I will be surprised at the end of the season if they are not in the playoffs, though. Kevin, last question before we let you run. Uh, you mentioned that you uh, did some work for the Phillies as well. Um, what's what's going on there? And I know I saw Joe Girardi interviewed by David Cohn uh, the other night. And, you know, David, he was pretty open about at least understanding where how this thing could end for him uh, in season. Uh, what's going on there? And is, have they, is it time to change the manager in, in Philly? Uh, I don't think so. I'm a, I'm a Joe Girardi guy. I like, I like being around him enough and talking to him enough, the baseball mind of his. Again, it's about the players on the field and what they do. Mm-hmm. And you, you, he was given a team that everybody knew that right when they signed Castellanos and right when they signed Schwarber, you're going, man, this is going to be the worst defensive team ever. Yeah. And guess what? <laughs> yes. They are not a good defensive team, if not the worst in the league right now. And that is huge. I mean, so yeah. – you understand on the Dave Dombrowski side, right? Like there, there's certain things that you had to go with and, and, you know, he just went all in. He's like, one guy is not going to correct our defensive problems. Right. And so he went into the, let's make up for it. And, and at the same time, you got to have guys that are, uh, you know, hot. And I wonder, the other thing I wonder is too, like, let, let's say Bryce is playing right field. Um, how much that changes things because the outfield is not good. We know that they're they're trying to find the center fielder problem, but you got Schwarber and Castellanos in the corners. You mm-hmm. can't rest those guys. That's I think a big problem with Schwarber right now is that he has not, not the ability to rest and do that and 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 be able to get off his feet and worry about you know 
the one thing that he could do and he knows he could do, and which is hit. Um, so there's a lot of factors, I think, that are going in right now. Uh, the other thing, too, if you, like, just take it into the now is, you know, in L.A., they had that – I mean, they were about ready to sweep, you know, the, the, the Dodgers, and they they blow the lead in the ninth. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Bryce doesn't play for the next four or five days because of taking that PRP shot. And he was – I mean, he was on a, he was on nuclear level, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what he was doing at, at Dodger Stadium, no one's ever seen an opposing player ever do in the, the history of the game. And so you wonder – if those couple of days, does that change everything? Right. You know, cause they, it, it just, it, it's so crazy how this game is, how finicky it is. So is that on, is that on Joe Girardi? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there, there's some things you're going like, I, well, what is it? What is it? It's not Joe. Yeah. You know, you, people question all day long about like, what's the bullpen, how he uses the bullpen. It's like, I mean, come on. <laughs> no one knows their pen and their guys better. And if he doesn't put in a guy for, there might be a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, we've had, we had that discussion here this morning because, you know, despite the fact the Jays are in a five game winning streak, I mean, Charlie Montoya does get second guessed a lot. And I, I, you know, my argument with this thing is like, look, I, I mean, I covered baseball back in the late eighties. So yeah. I've written stories and columns saying this guy should be fired and this guy deserved to be fired and all that. It's part of the game. But Kevin, I just I just don't know right now because I don't know the line. I don't know the decision making process. You know what I mean? I don't know who's yeah. who's. I understand the guy in the you know in the manager's spot in the dugout, the guy the focus is on. But I don't know who's in his ear, how often they're in his ear, and and what parameters he's been given and what information he's been given. And and I mean, I just don't. No, and the other thing too is the the players play. They, Charlie's yeah. beloved by those players. And so you, you do not have to question ever on that. But I mean, again, you look around the league, you, you go everywhere else and, and, and talk to guys, people and be like, if we're seven games over 500, we're seven games over 500 and we're not playing up to expectations. How good is that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's so that, point. That, that's the other part. That's, that's, that's why I sit there and say, I will be surprised at the end of the year if they're not where we all thought they were. But right now, this it is still a younger team learning. It's not about learning how to win, but it's learning how to win with expectation. And it, it, you're starting to see it. All it takes is a little bit and a little streak. And then once Vladdy starts like truly going, like because again, kid's proven. <laughs> again, he's a kid. Mm-hmm. He's proven. That kid will mash, and it's going to be fun to watch once he gets hot, hot. Kevin, thanks for doing this, man. Great insight. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate you guys. Take care. It's Kevin France in MLB Network Radio and uh, Nationals Broadcasting. That's right. He played. He played with uh, Bonds. That'd have been cool. That would have been awesome. I, I look. You know the best hitter I've seen. I mean the discussion. I I have. You know Bonds and Gwynn to me for different reasons, different guys, but are on 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 different on different on different levels. I I the I. You know, I always say about Barry, Barry Bonds made managers do things they didn't, they, uh-huh. they never did. They never thought of. And Barry Bonds to me was the singularly greatest game changer in base that I've seen in baseball. You know, I've had this discussion by friend Howard Bryant, who's got a book coming out in Ricky Henderson. Back in the day, Ricky changed some games too. Sure. Ricky changed some games too. But in terms of, of hitting... Gwyn and, and Bonds for different reasons are on are on on just completely different levels for it's me. It's an interesting conversation too about Juan Soto. The three for thirty nine I didn't realize I didn't really hadn't yeah. you know dug that much into his numbers. 
when you see a, a a guy of his caliber offensively turning around a lot to the umpire, having conversations, that's a problem. Like there's there's something going on there with yeah. whether he feels like he's not being pitched to, whether he's feeling like he's not being respected whether he's feeling like he's not being respected from his organization and the umpire. Like, there's a lot of things going on there. And, again, I'm in that camp where he's still in that earn it factor. Yeah, but you know what? I got to say this, too. I got to say this about Juan Soto. They're 18 and 31. Okay, I know he's getting a lot of money, and I get all that. But, you know, I wonder. Bryce is gone. Trey Turner's gone. He's, pardon me? Max Scherzer's gone. Thank you. Max Scherzer's gone. You're kind of like that last cornerstone guy from that World Series team, and you're still young. I, I would think, again, I'm not going to say that a guy making that much money, that you know, life is difficult for him. But, man, it's, there got to be days where he just looks at the lineup and goes, oh. oh, and by the way, the ball is deader. Oh. Oh, and by the way, this team's got seven guys that throw 98-plus. I wonder how hard – we're not talking about building roads and all that. I get it. But but I wonder how hard it, it would be to be that guy in that environment. Okay, whenever, whenever we talk about the best left-handed hitter in baseball, for when you were saying those out loud, people are going to roll their eyes and say it's a bunch of excuses, and I'm going to be in that camp too. If you're as good as everybody says you are, and you say you're that good, you, you know, you've had people around you say – that you're the best left-handed hitter in baseball. There's a lot goes with that. And all those things about complaining and whining about this, that, and the other, which that's exactly what it is. But if I don't you're know. you're the best left-handed hitter in baseball. Has he been whining? I mean, I haven't heard him. Uh, I haven't heard him say anything about all those rumors. I'm he, not he, saying he plays do- every day. I'm not saying he's doing that off the field. I'm just saying that I've seen the games that I've watched. It's a lot of conversation back, you know, to and from the umpire and him, which will tell you that he's not in a good place. He's also, though, an expressive dude. I mean, that that's 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 the way he is. I guess. Um, hey, I didn't I, I didn't ask, because I, I don't really want to waste time in the Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham fantasy football fight. For those of you who don't know, Tommy Pham's been suspended. Three days. Three, three da- games. Three, three games, games because he slapped Jock Peterson in the face over a fantasy football dispute, which is just another reason to hate the NFL, as far as I'm concerned. Huh? This is just another reason to hate the NFL. It's terrible, it makes smart people do bad things. You. It is no, not. It does so. It's a grown man who's been in baseball a very long time. He's made a ton do. of money. That's that's seriously what you're going to fret yourself that's like, over? That, Come on. That's a sit. Grow up. Seriously, man. Come on. The NFL. You make was it. the only guy that could flip that around back to hating football. Yeah, pretty like, much. You're the only one pretty much. on planet Earth could do that's that. Bad sport played by bad people. <laughs> coached by watch, evil. A lot of people. Coached by evil people. Evil people. Horrible culture, culture of violence. Anyhow, all that aside, stupidest reason. You don't have to tell me the teammates. Stupidest reason you've seen teammates get in, or not even teammates, you've seen players get in an altercation. Because, well, these dudes were teammates when this happened. Now they're not. But the dumbest reason for an altercation. I've I've seen a pitcher get released because another pitcher threw his spikes in a shower. What? Knocked him cold out, boy. Flat, just snoring. Okay, explain. Yeah, no, I can't. No, no, I'm not no, going to mention names. No, but I'm not okay, hold on. No, no, no. The pitcher was struggling. Yeah. And and I've heard people say the easiest way is to get you thinking about something else. Well, that this other pitcher thought it'd be funny to throw this struggling pitcher's spikes in a in shower, shower to get him to liven up a little bit. Yeah, it didn't work. Except that uh, and he it, walked right up to him in his birthday suit and just 
Cole knocked him out. Turned right. around, walked off, went. In the, I don't know if he got released. It was as much of I've had enough. I'm out. Just basically walked in and 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 yeah, got his know. like Borders. I was in a minor league game with with Borders, who hit a I think Borders. He, yeah, I think yeah. he played. I think he played for the Rays. He played for everybody for Charlotte. He hit a homer and just kept running. <laughs> just run, run, just kept running. I mean, I think he came back like two days later. That's but if that was the thing was, he said, I'm going to retire after I hit my homer and just kept running. But I've seen that, Jeff. I saw him and I was in the locker room. I thought it's the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Jeff Passon of ESPN joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Impression that our producer Mark Boff was becoming a little too comfortable. He's got in his attitude. Role. He's got attitude today. Oh, Given me, giving me info on bad umpiring. Just well, to, that's a fact. To, that, that, to poke need, the bear. We need and to say it. Coming in and telling me that. Well, took, you're like a cub. You took, ain't really a bear. Took, are you? took too long with you're the last the guest. <laughs> Look at his You face. did. You said I he took said too long that. with I the last him. guest. I heard him say that. Anyhow, let's yeah. bring in Jeff Pass, an MLB insider with ESPN. I'm sorry, Jeff. It's all gone to hell here. No, uh, it hasn't. Well, it, oh, shocker. Yeah. Well, that, that never happens. Yeah, it's, it's not even a long... Well, I'm happy to hear your voice, too. It's not even a long weekend today <laughs> here. We had our long weekend. Uh, we, had our, we had our long weekend a uh, couple of weeks ago. You're only ago as good as your week. leader. Yeah. Uh, that, well, that is true. That explains a lot, and that's generally... That generally holds true across society. Um, you and uh, some of your folks at ESPN have a little item up on the website about the Memorial Day standings check. And Memorial Day is kind of, I admit, I, look, I'm a guy that, that's tell, that says to everybody, don't, don't look at the standings until June. But the fact of the matter is yep. I look at the standings in Memorial Day just for, just for giggles. Um, you guys uh, break down a bunch of talking points. You got one that got my attention, though. And I swear to God, because the White Sox are coming into Toronto. And I am I was looking at the White Sox. And, you know, you, you make the point that you know, the, the question asked in this story is which team should go into unload mode between now and the trade deadline. And there are obvious answers. But then you mentioned the White Sox, which I, I like and I kind of get if. As you say, it's quite unlikely to happen. But if they're around 500, um, you know, this to me is when you, you get to see where Rick Hahn, Tony LaRussa, and Jerry Reinsdorf, where that kind of where that, how the power structure is going to operate in that organization, isn't it? Because if I'm Rick Hahn, I've got to be looking at this, don't I? You got to be considering it. I think a lot, honestly, depends on Tim Anderson's in, uh, injury and how long he's out for. I mean, the White Sox have been banged up all season long, but you have to square this notion of selling Jeff with the reality that in a few weeks they're going to have a rotation that includes Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech, who's been one of the best pitchers in the American League this season, uh, Dylan Cease, Lance Lynn, and Johnny Cueto, who's mm. been awfully good upon his return. That's a pretty good rotation to trade away from. And now, right. is, is there any chance that Jose Abreu would be moved? You know, he's been a White Sox his entire career since he's been stateside. 
Um, so that's not that likely, but I'll tell you what, a lot of people would like to have Jose Abreu's bat in their lineup. And the, the question becomes just what effect does this 12-team playoff have on the trade deadline. One of, one of my great concerns, and this is admittedly selfish because, you know, part of the, the reason you have me on this show is because I get trade news and stuff like that, and so I want more trades. I love an active trade season. Is the 12-team playoff going to kill the trade deadline because so many teams feel like they could backdoor into the postseason and all it takes is that point and a short series winning a few games? It, I worry about that, and yet I wonder, will teams take advantage of it when they're on the cusp and feel like, hey, you know, maybe this won't be our year? Here's the thing, though. It's like I said in the story. The White Sox didn't bring Tony La Russa back in order to dump. Right. Like, that's just, it goes against what their MO is at the moment, which is go out and try and leverage all this talent that they've got into a championship. Jeff, was there any chance that a GM would trade earlier than the trade deadline? Or would it be one of those facts where, you, you, as a GM, you don't want to be that first guy to start selling? If I'm a GM, I don't mind being that first guy as long as I get requisite value. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what it's about, right? And if I'm a team that knows that it has a particular hole that it wants to fill, I might be a little more aggressive when we get into June, thinking not only am I going to be able to get the bird in hand now, but, hey, I get an extra month out of him too. And if I really like this guy, then maybe I would overpay a little bit to go out and get him and guarantee myself that I'm filling my hole while still getting that extra month of play out of a guy. So I, I'm, I'm an advocate for the early trade. It, it just usually doesn't work out that way because I think teams – that are selling uh, have, have a pretty clear calculus. And that calculus is if we wait long enough, we're going to have multiple teams in on a guy. And if we have multiple teams in on him, that's when a bidding war could start. See, one of the other things I wondered about the impact of, of expanded playoffs and looking at a team like the, the White Sox, for example, I wonder if you won't see contending teams with needs trade with each other. Like I, I've, I've, I've thought about yeah. that instead of the whole buyer seller, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too, maybe I'm overthinking this, but you know, maybe the, the White Sox and another contending team would, would trade. Um, do you see that as a possibility that it might kind of open the market a little bit more in that if there's all these teams making the playoffs and I have a specific need, maybe I can address that specific need without necessarily killing my playoff chances. Not an unrealistic idea. I, I, frankly, I'd like to, to see more of it. Um, you know, in the case of the White Sox, I, I think the, the most interesting and compelling point beyond their talent is the division that they're in, mm-hmm. that they're going to be facing Kansas City and Detroit and Cleveland a whole lot down the stretch, and those aren't very good teams there. But, uh, you know, if you look at the White Sox uh, and could see them going out, see, the, the problem the White Sox, uh, for example, I, I don't know that their over, their overwhelming strength is in starting pitching right now, and that's just not something that you want to break up. They're not trading right. Giolito, they're not trading Kopech, they're not trading Lynn, um, they're not trading Cease. So where where do they go at that point? Um, with, with the Jays, um, it, it's it's going to be interesting, I think, because their their strength right now is their starting pitching as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Manoa over over the last month. Manoa, Kikuchi, um, 
Ryu, and Gosman have been awesome. I mean, awesome. All ERAs right around two. It's been sustaining this team, which I thought their offense was going to be dynamite. I think they have the fifth lowest scoring offense over the last 30 days, Jeff. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. It, you know, Vlad's not hitting. Tay Oscar's not hitting. Uh, Bichette's finally picked it up over the last month or so, and Springer's been fantastic. But when uh, I'm sorry, uh, I like Santiago Espinal as a player. He should not be the two-hitter in this lineup, mm-hmm. period. You're right. Yeah. Hey, any any interest in uh, probably the Rockies? I'm, I'm guessing by now are out of it. You know, they're they probably don't think yeah. they are. But Charlie Blackman, any interest you think is going to be in him? Uh, yeah, I think Charlie Blackman can be had. Um, the problem is you have to you have to have the right expectations. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Blackman was for a good three or four year stretch there, an MVP, you know, level ball player. He was really, really good. And you can, you can factor in Colorado and everything. Um, that that's fine. But uh, his skills would have translated everywhere. Uh, he's not the same guy right now. Now I understand left-handed hitter. Yeah. You, you want to go out and get a guy like that, especially I don't think Toppy is the answer necessarily, mm-hmm. but Blackman, when, when you adjust for, for Park, has been about a league average guy. And, yeah, that's probably an upgrade over what they have right now. But, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, take, uh, we'll take what we can get. And uh, if Charlie Blackman is the answer there, uh, boy, there, there's not a whole lot out mm-hmm. there to be mm-hmm. had. Mm-hmm. There are a couple other names that people have thrown around, and that's Andrew, Andrew Benintendi and Ian Happ, who would, you know, would, would obviously answer a few questions that Jays have. Would you expect both of those players to be moved? One of them? Two of them? Uh, yeah. None of them? I think, I, I mean, I think Ben and Tendi is, is the one who the Blue Jays should be focusing on. Mm-hmm. And, the, and he plays an excellent corner outfield. Like, he is legitimately good in left field. Um, you know, gold glove caliber guy, and... He gets on base and hits for average. You don't need power in that lineup. There's enough mm-hmm. guys who can hit the ball out of the park there. But Benintendi, with his left-handedness, with his ability to, to have a high batting average, and with his glove, seems to fit the Blue Jays better than anybody else on the market right now. Jeff, this may not be a fair question to ask you, but is there is there a feel for would it take big leaguers plus a minor leaguer, or is it a lot of minor leaguers that you're going to have to give up to get – what you want this trade deadline? You know, it's, it's tough to say at this point. Um, I, I don't think the market has defined itself quite like that. But if we look at past trade markets, it's usually major leaguer for minor leaguers. Um, yeah. the, you know, especially let, let's say the, the Jays are considering a deal with the Royals. Um, I, I'm sorry, they're probably not going to give up any guys who are contributing to this team right now or who are contributing significantly to this mm-hmm. team right now. And I, I, they're not going to give up Aurelvis Martinez for a rental. They're not going to give up Gabriel Moreno for a rental. Um, you know, they're not going to give up Groshans for a rental. Like, there are certain guys who are off limits, but uh, if it means fortifying your lineup like that, I think that for a guy like Ben Attendee, even a rental, the, the Jays would and should be willing to give up something of substance because they have the rotation that can sustain them through the playoffs. They need three things, uh, a left-handed bat, uh, you know, preferably outfield and two relief pitchers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, thanks so much for doing this, man. Thanks, Jeff.
Thank you, as always. Gentlemen, pleasure is always mine. Thanks. Take care. That is Jeff Passan, ESPN Insider. I like the Benintendi idea. I've got Benintendi and Hap have been the two <clears throat> that I've kind of looked at. I know Hap is more that utility guy, but man, Benintendi. Um, he is second for you. Yeah. Oh, yes. This, yes. Absolutely. Lot, again, that's a lot to ask. You're, you're, again, you're taking away for, at bats from other guys to give it to Benintendi. That, no, I, it's okay. A, it's a, you got to be let, careful let here me, with these l- things. Let me, let me rephrase that because if I give him the number two spot, Vladdy's three, Tails four, Bo is five. I would do that, but I would put Bo behind Vladdy and have Teoscar behind that's pro- Bo. That's probably the way it would be. But yeah, Does that yeah, make sense to you? Probably by the time you're getting being attended, you're those guys are going to be hotter. They're going to yeah. be better hitters. Because they've had more bats and timing, uh, well, rhythm, I'll, all those things are there. I'll turn not it around me. and you. Would not you for, stick him in the middle of the order? I would not. He's he's a he's a six hole hitter for me. Like okay, I, I was I, like I don't have as much trust in him as you guys do. Like he's having a decent start to his season, but that's on a team that really don't matter if they win or lose. Yeah, or but not. he's also you're throwing him into a contending team and said, "Oh, by the way, we want you to he's hit played, second. He's played in contending. How long teams. ago was that? Not Again, that long there's, ago. There's, that's that, maybe like, that's not that long ago. We're talking about Andrew Ben. Andrew Ben. Andrew Ben Attendee was on the Boston Red Sox. Can he hit lefties? Can he hit velocity? Can he take a walk? All those things you got to ask yourself because that's what you want him to do. Ben Attendee's hit hit forty doubles in Boston, forty one doubles. Hit twenty seven doubles in Kansas City last year. Hit three twenty four with. I mean, he's contributed on good teams. I I have I have no okay. I have no problem with that. Dude knows his way around the AL East. Um, you know, I'm looking at his post. What's he hitting against lefties? I'm just looking at his postseason batting. He's 272 in postseasons. Uh, let me get. Uh, let's play the music for Barker's back leg bits. It's by the way, for while Barker's back leg bits. I don't know who he was praying to, but Barker's like, "Get up, get out of here!" And the guy's right at the fence. Like, I got this one, you know. The umpires would throw the balls out. Like, hey, Barker's up. Bring in the six balls. We need the dead ones. Bring in the dead ones. Hey, Bark, why don't you just not worry about mm-hmm. it? <laughs> yes. 342 against righties, 292 against lefties. There he goes, having a good start to his season. But that's the question. Now, it would be yeah. different by the time he gets. Andrew Benintendi it, we're talking about, If they the were to get him, it would be different by the time he got here. They yeah. they would know where guys were hitting. And he would definitely make He He's better than Tapia. And he's – we don't even mention Zimmer's name. But that that's – yeah. Depends on what you'd have to give up to get him. Uh, Barker's back leg bits is that point – of the show where we solicit your questions for Kevin Barker. Uh, we've got a lot of them. We will, if we don't get to any today, we will get to them tomorrow. Justin McCarter, it's an off day. Do you see Barucky or Merriweather getting, being DFA'd Kevin Barker? My question would be, do, do they have better options? That's the thing is, and me, for me, Barucky, it's not mechanical. It's a mental thing of why are you pitching backwards? He's in love with the slider for some reason. Throw 97, throw it. Like that's the, so the answer to your question is probably not. But if I'm either one of them, I'm leaving myself on at home. This is a uh, interesting question, and I'm glad Mike B uh, mentions this. Nathan Lucas is hitting 303 with Buffalo, left-handed bat, play center field, had a great spring. I take him over Zimmer right now, 100. percent We're we're on board with that. Uh, I would be lying if I said that I've been paying attention to him in Buffalo. But um, you know, I, I again, Bradley Zimmer's defense in center field is really, 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 really good. And that's the thing that the Jays are are banking on, are banking on right now. 
but Kevin, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I, he would have to be a above average defender in center field for that to even yes. be an option because of what they're trying to do with George Springer, which is keep him on the field for yeah. September and October. That's the biggest thing here. It's not about the offensive part of it. And again, if everybody else is hitting, we're not having the Zimmer conversation. Are you? Yeah. Uh, Parlay pug. This is good. Is a realistic expectation for Jose Barrios during the duration of his contract, a pitcher that gives you 180 innings and a 450 ERA? I truly believe because he played in a weak AL Central, it made him look a lot better than That's he fair. is. That's fair. That's I, fair. I, I'm not on that side just yet. But I, there is, there is a, it's alarming on how he doesn't have enough equipment to get lefties out consistently. Lefties are real comfortable against him, even with two strikes. Why is that? Like I, I'm not, I'm not gonna even say that I'm I've dug in enough to even ask Pete Walker about why and and what's he thinking because Petey is very high on Jose and so am I, but it, that is a thing like four 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 and a half ERA that's that's heavy maybe closer to four but there has to be some adjustments oh. there and there has to be a pitch that he can always go to and why is the velocity always yeah. like this I'm gonna say this up and down up and down up and down you know who his next opponent is. Minnesota Twins, the team that he pitched for. Maybe we'll, we'll, there'll be enough Twins folks around that perhaps we can, uh, perhaps you can, perhaps we can talk to them about what what they're seeing with uh, with Jose Brios. I, I will say this about Jose Brios: the reason I have absolutely, I don't have any concern about Jose Brios at all, at all. I mean, I'm still more concerned about Yusei Kikuchi than him, is because the guy's a workhorse, the guy stays mm. healthy. And if he's going to be in the game, Pete Walker's going to figure something out. I, with him. I agree with all those things. But you don't have to worry about whether or not he's whether or not he's going to answer the bell. The, report, um, the, the the whole question here is, or the whole thing is, you dropped 130 large on him. He's got to look better than he's looked. Like there's been some serious peaks and valleys, and you can tell he's he's a thinker out there. He's he's wondering why he's not getting it, and that's a thing. Like that's, yeah, but you know. You give a guy that type of contract for that length of time, worrying about Jose Barrios's start this year. That that's like worrying about a a hitting slump for George Springer. I mean, it is. There's a reason you give the guys those guys those contracts. Jose you know, plays it's gonna, once a week. George Springer plays no, every but, day. But, you don't. The, the, one's a player, one's a pitcher. That doesn't There's matter. A big my, my, no, but but it doesn't matter. My point is, when you give a guy a long term contract, um. You, it, people have this idea that as soon as a guy signs a long-term contract, they're never going to struggle they're held again. To a higher standard than most people, though, they are. They, they, they are, but that's fine. They're still going to scuffle. They're still going to struggle. They are. Jose Barrios isn't going to have a five forty. There's no question. The American ERA. League East is not where the Twinkies play. There's no question. That's and we knew this coming in. And you've said this multiple times. I know you don't. You know, worry about Jose Barrios, but you have yeah, said but, it's the American Kevin, League East. Jose Barrios has a Jose Barrios's last bad start wasn't against an AL East team. It was against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. His stinky start at the start of the year was against Texas. It wasn't against an AL East team. Like we gotta move beyond that with Jose Barrios. Oh my god, it's the AL East. He's had two crap starts against teams that don't play in the East. Explain that to me. I can't if you give me a little time. You knew that we were. You heard the music. You knew you weren't going to get to it. Oh, I could. You snuck Usually out of that one. Usually I always have a good answer for you, you don't I? You snuck out of that one.
I'll get you tomorrow. Don't worry. That's it for Blair and Barker today. We'll be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sports. You're not getting away with it. 10 to noon Eastern tomorrow on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Thanks, folks. Have a great rest of your day.